0: Welcome to the Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, please welcome your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, Christian Mendoza, and Kevin Horton. Well, during the week of this podcast recording, it was my dad's 90th birthday. He was born in 1934, and boy, what a life that he has lived. And I wanted to dedicate this podcast to him because, like we say in our podcast many, many times, life sometimes gives you lemons and you have to learn to make lemonade, or you just have to learn to say exactly how you feel, show all sides of the relationships, not everything is Pollyanna, and not everything is bad. So I was thinking during his 90th birthday anniversary, he left left this earth actually about seven years ago and, I was lucky enough to help care for him near the end of his life, and we've had some of those heart-to-heart talks, and I can still remember some of the things that he said, and I'll go over those a little bit during this episode, but what I wanted to talk about is not all relationships are good, and not all relationships are are bad, and sometimes it's good to talk about the bad, and today I'm going to go non-scripted and just say what I feel because I need to let people know and let you know that I consider my dad a hero not only because of the good he did but some of the things that I learned because of his humanness and I say that now because as you know being a son or daughter when you're younger you look up to your parents for their support and for their guidance, and then you become a teenager, then automatically when you turn 13, you know it all. And everybody else doesn't know anything, you know everything, and you just wanna rule the world, and that isn't always how it works out. Time, essentially, when you're younger, you feel like you have all this time then you get into your teen years and then you you can't wait to get away from being under your parents roof then you turn 18 then realize that you really want to be under your parents roof because you really don't know what you're doing but yet you're legal and now you can make your own decisions and then as you get older you realize your parents weren't perfect they try their best and they're human but in a lot of ways they make mistakes and I like what my doctor said as my dad was getting older and he sat down with me and he said Kevin in lifespans what happens is when you're younger You depend upon your parents, and they provide for you in an ideal situation. And I say ideal situation because not all of us have ideal situations, and I understand that. But this episode is based upon my recollection. So I want to say, firstly, that I understand that a lot of people that may be listening to this podcast did not have the perfect parents or maybe did not even know your parents, so there's a big void there. So I want to let you know I understand where you're coming from. And in a lot of ways, I may commiserate with you. We may think the same. We not, may not think the same. But I just wanted to put my feelings out there. Because as you get older, you start having conversations with your doctor and with your, your surviving family members. And you get a different perspective of what was going on when you were younger now you understand how your parents were behaving and you may understand yourself a little bit better but back to what my doctor said he told me Kevin when you're younger your parents support you as you get older you gain your independence and then you start realizing what your parents did for you as you get older. There, but there comes a time that he said that the roles switch. And now it's like I become the parent and they retract and become like a child. And the one piece of advice that stuck with me when he said that was Payback. Payback time meeting. pay them back or pay it forward for all the love and support that you got when you were younger. And I understand that a lot of people out there didn't get that. So in an ideal world, that's what we do. And my doctor always said that it was an element of turning a corner. Now when you go to a doctor's office of course, in some good ways you want to hear them say you're turning a corner or in some difficult ways when your blood tests come back and something is high or low and it's indicative of a medical condition. You really don't want to hear them say you're turning a corner. A year ago I was going there for my physical and my doctor told me, Kevin, you're pre-diabetic. So you're four points away from diabetes. If you don't want to change, just keep eating the way you are. And then you'll probably have diabetes very, very soon. And it's very, very hard to let that go or get that down. So a lot of ways you can dread it when they come and tell you that you're turning a corner or you can accept it when you say okay this is the life cycle this is how things go or in that famous disney movie the lion king the circle of life and i'll tell you what when i saw that movie i cried like a baby especially when i realized what the lyrics for the song circle of life say When you really, really study it, it's a very beautiful song, Elton John and all those nice people that did that song. And of course, James Earl Jones as Simba, not Simba. He was the Lion King. Then Simba became the Lion King, and I think about that scene where the monkey is holding up Simba, and Simba is a little, little lion cub. And all he's thinking about is how high up he is on the cliff. Then things happen to his father, and he becomes king. And he doesn't know what to do. Then there's that song, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And he is a little, little lion cub. And they're all laughing at him at the beginning because he's trying to roar, and it sounds like a little meow. But as we go along in life, we learn how to do what we need to do. And there's some things in my life that, again, I'm not perfect. And my friends know that I'm not perfect. I've done things wrong, and I've hurt people, and I've made wrong choices. But also, on the other side, I have made right choices in some ways. So, again, I'm coming on the podcast today on this bonus episode so just to say that a lot of times when I'm down, when I'm out, What do I listen to? Old episodes of this podcast, and I hear myself giving myself advice. And I get done listening to that episode, and I say, you should listen to what yourself told you to do, which is blah, blah, blah. And one thing that my dad has said very often, and my friends will laugh when I say this, because now I say this all the time when... I'm grieving my dad's death, and I'll admit the last two years we grew real close because I was at home when he was sick. I was right there with him when I could be there, and my brother also helped in the ways that he could because he has a family and he had other responsibilities. So we did the best we could, and in that two, in those two years. I had an amazing conversation with my dad that I can think of to this day that has done something very very special for me and it's another thing my doctor has mentioned to me and it's this, Kevin when your parents are gone don't think about the year they were born or the year they departed this earth worry about worry or think about the dash which is all the memories that you have, good or bad, that you can look back on and learn from. So as I said, my dad was born in 1934 in a city called Benson, Minnesota, born to two very loving parents who were loving but distant and that will factor largely into the story as I keep telling it, that I can remember just from my standpoint. My mom, who also departed this earth in 2015 from COPD, I could remember her always saying in one way or another when I was younger things like, well, your grandfather was a better grandfather to you than he was as a father to my dad and i had heard stories of them being very very distant with him didn't let him cry often didn't express love to them like i'm used to thank goodness i had a mom who was very very loving and hugged a lot so I grew to love that and to appreciate that. But my dad, with his parents, didn't experience a lot of that. There was apparently a 10-year difference between him and his brother, so there was a chasm of time where my uncle Warren was much older than my dad was there, and so there was a different dyna- dynamic there. And also I had heard stories with my grandfather that he ran a service station and a car repair shop in Santa Monica that required him to be there early in the morning to late at night. So one of the good things I learned from my dad is when he worked with my grandfather, my grandfather taught him how to, re- to work on cars. And then as he worked on cars, of course, then he learned about that. So he was very, very good at fixing things. You go around my house now and you could look and see all the things that that dad did that he fixes. And there was always that person in your household that if anything was broken, he could fix it. He would always say, no, I'll try and fix it first. And my mom in uh, heaven is laughing because she knew that it would be a losing battle. And then she'd eventually have to call a repairman because my dad couldn't fix it. But that was not very often. He was able to fix a lot of things. And a lot of things now around my house that he has done are still holding up. And I'm very, very thankful for that. So he grew up in Santa Monica. His brother became very, very well known as an auto repairman also in Santa Monica. They grew up, as I said, in Santa Monica, California. They attended church at Mount Olive Lutheran Church, which is still around. They started going there in the 40s when the sanctuary that you know it as of today was non-existent. Their wedding was the first wedding in the new sanctuary, which was probably in 1963. My mom always said, I don't know why, but your dad picked April 20th, 1963, as our wedding, and you see in the wedding pictures, it was raining cats and dogs that day, but they were off to Vegas after that, so Mount Olive Lutheran Church was where he attended, I heard also he was a Sunday school teacher during that time, or before. So my dad had a foundation in the faith. Then when he got married, probably I would say thirty or thirty-five. No, let's see. He was born in thirty-four, so he was married in sixty-three, so he was twenty-nine, I believe. Maybe my mouth mountain mouth, maybe my math was off there, but he got married, started working with McDonnell Douglas, which was now Boeing, for those of you who know the company now, it was known as McDonnell Douglas, it was aircraft and spacecraft, and they were involved with the Apollo mission, my dad was involved with the Apollo mission did something where he submitted a suggestion to McDonnell Douglas and they picked his suggestion and implemented it. And then he found himself being flown to Kennedy Space Center to watch the launch of a rocket. And I have a picture somewhere of his name being placed on microfiche And either Neil Armstrong or one of the astronauts in the Apollo mission took it up to the moon and placed their name in a capsule on the moon. And a a facsimile or a copy of that is in the Smithsonian, and I have yet to go see it, but that's something that was really interesting to me. And then in the picture is a signed letter from Werner Von Braun, who ran the space system for NASA. So my dad was involved with a lot of interesting things. But as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, he was human and he had a lot of issues that he did not really want to publicly show, especially to the family. And I can remember one time when my mom and my dad were having a not so frequent argument, and I, as a little kid, was in there, and their solution at that time was always, oh, send the kid to their room, and my mom would say, no, they need to know that things are going on, but my dad would would just separate himself and not talk about, we don't talk about death, we don't talk about sad things, we don't talk about things that are going wrong, we just don't talk about it. And that was the way that he dealt with it. And I can remember being a very feeling person, I wanted to always show my feelings to him, but it was like a block wall. He would not receive it or no. I could I could tell him several times, Hey Dad, I love you and his response was, Well, that's a given. Like a business transact well, that's a given. And often he would tell me, Well, I'm showing my love to you by providing for you and true he did. But near the end of his life I was able to crack that code, so to speak, or crack that egg and let him know that I loved him. And near the end of the life end of his life he would take my hand and I would put my hand in his and we would have heart to heart talk. So this ends up in a good space but even though it ended up in a good space grief is a funny thing it's not a funny thing but it's a thing that you have to live with where when i get in the middle right now of in the throes of grief i still blame myself for the same things i felt like well was i there enough did i do enough when my dad passed away about a week before he went to the hospital. I was sleeping in the, the living room. He was in the living room. I was about 15 feet from him. And I'll never forget the noise, but he fell. And I felt horrible because I was right next to him. And the feeling I had was if only I could have caught him, he may not have fallen to damage his hip, which would have not caused him to have to go to the hospital and then be told that they can't really do anything because he's older, and there were a lot of medical situation. And when he fell, he was sitting on the floor, and I can remember this, and I, it's difficult for me to talk about it, but I'm gonna record the podcast just to let you know that, that even your podcast hosts here have these issues where they just they wish they could have fixed it. And he said to me as he was sitting on the floor, I think he knew and he he just he apologized, said I'm sorry. And you think, oh no, dad, you'll go to the hospital, everything will be okay, everything will be good, everything will be good. Well, at the end of that week, I got a call at 10:15 in the morning from my dad's caregiver who was with him in the hospital. She was holed up in the bathroom of the hospital room saying that he had had a code blue. I hate that word. It's like, I remember being in a hospital, you always hear code blue, code blue, and they rush. Well, what happened was he had a code blue with a 29-second response time. And they apparently worked on him for 22 minutes. Got a heart rate. Then he ended up going to intensive care. And the next morning, at 4.08 in the morning, he departed the Earth. That was very hard for me to see that. Right now, as I said to myself, I'm not going to edit. I'm not going to make this podcast episode pretty. Because life is not pretty. Life is difficult. and. If you edit a podcast like this, I feel like you're, you're making everything pretty when it's not. Parts of it are beautiful, but there's other parts that just suck. And this is one of those days. One of those times. Because when I got that call, I had a sinking feeling. And I felt like an orphan. Because driving to the hospital, I'm thinking, well, what am I going to encounter? What's happening? What's happening with my life now? It's exactly the same feeling I had approximately two years earlier when the rock of my life my mom was passing away but in her situation it was a very emotional drawn-out process and I don't mean to be negative when I say drawn-out but she was in intensive care for three weeks and her breathing was progressively getting worse and we even had to go through putting a um, tracheotomy in to see if we could make things better and I had a feeling well if we get the tracheotomy in then she would move to a facility and we can go visit her and everything will be fine and again there's that Pollyanna thought everything is good, everything is good, everything is good well it wasn't and i love my brother, but he and I have different personality traits. And I can remember during the time that we were dealing with my mom, my dad often was very distant. And I can remember those horrible times of being in the intensive care unit and then the doctors come in and say, we have to have a family meeting with you. I can remember the first family meeting. We were, we were over at the hospital and they had us set up in folding chairs in the middle room and where I was sitting happened to be within eye view and earshot of my mom's room. So I wanna paint this picture of what I was experiencing. Self, and my brother at that time would say you're too quiet you don't say anything what are you thinking how can you not hear all that stuff that and finally he had mentioned this to me and I was stood up and said I'm trying to process everything I think differently than you so that's where I was and whether or not he liked the answer that was the answer And we had a conversation together where he said, you you really should think about being here more often now because mom may, may not have very long. and And he was right. And I tried to be there as much as I could. So it was determined that They wanted to take my mom off of life support. And I can just remember being at the hospital, knowing that this was going to happen around my birthday, nonetheless. But we did have a family discussion and they made sure it didn't happen on or around my birthday. It was a little bit after it's a horrible feeling when you're walking around the hospital and you know that your life is about to change horribly the person that you love a lot the rock of your family the rock of your your existence my mom was exiting this earth what am I going to do I was capable and have said that very many times. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And I was very angry with people that were happy around me at at the hospital for various reasons. I'm like, how in the heck can you be happy? And I, I actually used a different word than heck how can you be happy when i'm my world is being rocked and so on august 24th at 6:12 in the afternoon my mom departed the earth and i was holding her hand when it happened and i look over at my dad and he couldn't face it. He was looking out in the hallway. And that struck me. He, in his humanness, couldn't face death. And I'll admit it. It was horrible. It's a very horrible, sinking feeling that I don't wish on anybody. And grief never goes away. Contrary to what Hallmark card tells you all, your other people say, get over it, you know what? You won't. End of story. You won't. You'll learn to live with it but it's going to be always that unwanted relative that will always press the doorbell and, and all of a sudden one day you'll be watching, in my case, this was what happens. I don't know why there's a connection between this, but there is. Whenever I watch a cute dog video or a, maybe a baby crying or hear that, it triggers memories. And I could be okay one time, and then other times I just think about that, and I'm off on into griefville, And I call it the guttural cry. Horrible guttural cry. Where you're just heaving a lot, and all this emotion is coming out. And it's not a good feeling. So after my mom passed away, I can remember, for days after that, my dad would be up at 5 o'clock in the morning calling all the relatives. So what did I hear all the time? Over and over, the same story. The same story of how she left the earth. and I was there and we had not talked about arrangements, so I'll just say this is my opinion. I would recommend everybody to pre-arrange their arrange final arrangements. so. It doesn't hurt your family or hit your family like it did our family. We have to go to the funeral home and we talk about that. And then we had to do the respectable thing. And I wanna say this right. It was a beautiful thing to do, but it's very, very hard to pick out a casket. And it's just not easy And the worst thing is to do after that is to pick out clothing that you know is going to go in the casket and be there forever. And I know that that's a morbid thought, but I told myself today when I was recording this podcast that I was going to talk about it. Talk about all the feelings, talk about maybe my story out there will help somebody else that's going through that and say, grief really sucks. And Anybody that tells you that you just need to get over it, you can thank them for their advice, but you need to realize that everybody takes that journey on their own way. with God's help or your higher power you'll learn to move on and to do the best you can but now I can look back at my mom and my dad they were some of the neatest people to be around my dad when he got into a good mood or when he thought something was funny he did something what I called a silent laugh, which is he'd be on the floor laughing so hard that his his chest would be going up and down, but he'd laugh. It could be red in the face. He was laughing so hard, and I could hear it. And I was so happy when that happened because he would make you laugh just by him laughing, and he would keep telling the story over and over. There was a situation when he and I were on a, over night, not overnight, but a one-day bus trip to State Line with my work. We would go down there and we would have a lot of bonding time, where we, we would both either win money together or lose money together. But it was something we did together and it was really, really good for us. And we were listening to a comedy tape one time and I was laughing. Then he would say, well, what's that comedy tape you're listening to? I said, well, turn to channel 12, you'll hear it. And one of the most famous comedians told a joke, and we both laughed so hard at it. It was a Jeff Foxworthy joke. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it hit my dad so funny that to the day that I could remember, he would remember that joke. It was a dry joke, but it just hit really good, and he would laugh, and we would remember that. And the near the end of my dad's life. He was not so mobile, but I would spend evenings with him, locking up the house and then sit holding his hand and then he would tell me, I just get strength from you, Kevin. And so I could rest assured that I think about that time that that that's my answer to myself after I grieve, after I get all messy with all those things. I say, well, I did the best I could, and yes, I was there. Yes, I was there as much as I could for my dad. There were a couple times that I was a bozo and did the wrong thing or didn't do what I should have. Yelled, screamed, said, unfortunately, curse words because we're all human. But when all was said and done, My dad was an imperial hero. He was a space systems scientist, eventually with Boeing. Did a lot of top secret stuff. He was a human calculator, and I'll tell this story because I was more of an English major. Um, Of course, I go now into voice acting, so that was very creative. You have to learn to write. And to perform, and he loved hearing that, and I got to perform sometimes for him, and he he loved that. But he was a human calculator. He would always ask me, what's one million plus two million divided by six? And I've learned just to wait until he has the answer, because he already had the answer. He was waiting for me to figure everything out. But he would say, what's this, this, and this? And then if I just didn't answer, he would say... Uh, it's about that. So now all the advice that they gave to me that I was kind of poo-pooing when I was little younger because I either didn't understand it or let's just say you're younger and you're a teenager, you hear your parents not just talk, but they drone on. Drone on. Just like that teacher from the Peanuts Features where they're going to blah, blah 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 blah. I had read somewhere that Charles Schultz designed that character like that because he wanted to present the peanuts features from the viewpoint of a child. And it makes so much sense to me now because if you're from the viewpoint of a child, when they really don't understand what the parents are saying, it's a bunch of blah blah. Just why the wah, 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 now that even is funnier now when I hear that to where I know where Charles Schultz is coming from. So I say all that to trumpet to the world now that my parents were imperfect people. But I can think of many, many examples of memories of good times and of bad times. But I just wanted to say during this bonus episode that my dad is an imperfect hero and I just wanted to celebrate him for the 90 years of life that we celebrate today. He departed this earth when he was 83 or 84. And I'll I'll leave you with this story too, because after my mom passed away, we were taking care of taking care of financial affairs, and we were in the bank, and we're sitting with the bank representative. We're taking care of all the things, and my dad looks at my brother and I and says, "I want to reiterate something to you, you boys, so that you hear it in my own lips." By my own lips, okay. In regards to end of life situations, remember I was saying that I was going to go there today. So, this is this episode is not all about roses and candy and all that good stuff and how everything is good. It's about also mental health and saying that even as a podcast host, and Derek has alluded to this and Christian has alluded to this before and their respective lives, life is difficult, and you, sometimes you have to go through rough patches and rough parts. Even when you're kicking and screaming, I don't want to do it. And I'll tell two additional stories, because now the stories are popping up. And I'll tell the first story that I was, con- I think I began, where my dad was talking to us, and he said, At my end-of-life situation, I'd like you to try once. And if that doesn't work, and he paused. Then he said very loudly, bye. And that voice echoed in my brother's and my mind when we actually had to make that decision in the intensive care unit we actually smiled at each other and it gave us some peace where he said, if if it try once, if that's not working, bye, see you in heaven. And I, I can tell that story now, but I want to tell you inside. I am sad about that. I miss my dad horribly. And my brother misses my dad. My brother misses my mom. And I want to tell you a funny story about my mom that my brother experienced. And I'll tell you a story that I experienced soon after she had passed away. My brother was in his house one day. about a week or so after my mom had passed away so we were going through all the grief of everything and at that time he had a Nerf football or something of that sort in the house and for some reason they went to find the ball and all of a sudden the ball would roll toward them my mom was very playful and when that happened he would smell her cologne she had a very unusual cologne we called it the going out cologne because she would only wear cologne when she was going out and my brother and i always knew that she was going out with my father when we were younger when on a sunday night we were in our pajamas at five o'clock and we had a dinner of spaghettios google that for the younger generation but spaghettios was the go-to dinner For us at that time so we knew she was going out they were going out but he would smell that perfume and then my niece had an experience either during my mom's funeral or soon after somehow she received a text from my mom and that gave her comfort and I had situations with the caregivers from my dad that they would move something in the house, and my mom, of course, would be angry about that, and she would let her presence known, be known. And everything calmed down when they said, yes, Mrs. Horton, sorry that we moved that, and then it would calm down. And then so I've learned now when I have thing is going on that i don't understand i also i would just talk to the air and say mom how do i do that especially if i'm in the store and i can't find something and i'm going around the store aisles like a like a robot going and i finally just say mom where is it and i find it i could go on and on and on and on and on about these stories but i i will go on at a different time But we're coming to the end of the episode. I just want to say again, my dad is a human hero to me. And my mom is still my rock. And of course, Jesus Christ is my heavenly rock. So I just wanted to take the mic today and and tell you some stories from my heart and thank you for listening and i want to celebrate again my dad's 90th birthday and i miss my mom and dad horribly but i do know they're in heaven so i am awaiting a reunion when it's my time to go but until then my brother and i are rebuilding our friendship and relationship and it's been beautiful it's not been easy and I'm not perfect. My brother's not perfect, but I'm trying our best to do the best we can. And I, I want to leave you with some things as far as encouragements. When you feel real, real low, I encourage you to look up a song called Million Pieces by The Newsboys on YouTube. Another good song is God is in Control by Twyla Paris. Power of God by the Imperials, it, that's off of their 1985 album, This Year's Model, which was a really good album. Another good album is Free the Fire in Me by the Imperials, with the title song. Another good song is In the Promised Land by the Imperials. You could tell I love four-part harmony. Anything by the Statler Brothers is good. Anything by the Oak Ridge Boys is good for encouragement, especially their gospel stuff. Some other things that are good, also there was a band called Krumbacher, C-R-U-M-B-A-C-H-E-R. Famous contemporary Christian music group in the mid-80s. Their first album was called Incandescent. You can find that now on YouTube. There's specifically a song on there that I love, that I still listen to this day. It's called Glowing in the Dark. Another good album from them is Tame the Volcano, which talks about taming your tongue so that's another good encouragement to listen to all these good things about encouragement i just want to say i'm very thankful for the breathe podcast audience you've let me be myself through this episode and and i'm looking forward to a great season four with my co-host and thank you for listening